are back. We've got hat tricks, goals galore, and so much more to talk about as the Matilda squad is shaken up once again for the upcoming friendlies. I am joined by my compatriots, comrades, and all-around troublemakers. Michelle, Cody, how are we this week, my friends? How's Australia? I'm uh, offended. I'm <laughs> terrible. I, I, that is the I've last thing I weekend. used to describe myself, I reckon. <laughs> and of course, you had a terrible um, weekend, Michelle. You got zero points from six. Hey, oh. <laughs> Rub salt in the wounds right there. So um, let's let's start there, Michelle, just so we can get the Band-Aid ripped off um, for you. Uh, weather, I, I, I'm guessing you're going to blame the weather for the loss again like you did off camera. But uh, You're three, not supposed to tell people what we're talking about off camera. 3-1 <laughs> loss to Melbourne City this week, my friend. 3-2, um, 3-2. Was it 3-2? Yes, we had two goals. Yeah, Sydney Charles scored McLean scored. Literally everything I'm looking at says 3-1. Well, that's wrong because Jordan Thompson scored and then yeah. Charlotte McLean scored. Okay. I was there. Cody was there. Cody, back me up, brother. Yeah, I can vouch for that. Charlotte McLean scored late. <laughs> to be fair, I thought it was Aiden Kane. It wasn't until 10 minutes after the game I found out it was actually changed to Charlotte McLean. Was that her first goal for the club? Like one of the very so. few? Far I so. Well done to her. Let's Same go. Let's go straight away. <laughs> Couldn't celebrate They're it. arguing about it, though. They're trying to find out who's actually scored it. <laughs> Anyways, it was 3-2. Continue, okay. Josh. 3-2. Lightning strikes suspend the game. Um, but other than that, what was this game like to be at? The atmosphere, there was plenty of people there from what I've heard. Um how were things feeling on the ground for you guys that were there? All right. Let me paint you a picture. It's really hot day. You think, oh, no need to bring a jacket or anything because it's going to be like 30 degrees. <laughs> oh, no worries. Parking should be sweet. Wrong. Parking was terrible. Two, it did rain. Um, but anyways... Uh, yeah, great crowd. It was like attendance of over 3,000, uh, I think almost 4,000, which is um, really good to see, really positive. Um, I think atmosphere-wise, like, uh, yeah. I don't know how to say this without being mean, but these crowds are full of children, so you can't expect the atmosphere to be very good, right? Um mm. And I don't know if the people listening can hear that my voice is like half gone. Well, imagine singing your heart out for two games and one in which no one decides to sing at all. So it was very frustrating in that regard. And then you pair that with the performance on the pitch and it was just me so frustrated, sweaty, um, thirsty, um, it was not great. And then obviously, yeah, like you mentioned, there was um, a singular lightning strike uh, that no one saw, but apparently the referee saw, um, which had uh, suspended the game for about half an hour. Um, but yeah, then once the storm passed, it was sun, sun's out, guns out, and the girls were backfiring and uh, the Sydney girls, uh, unfortunately, unable to get an equaliser or a winner. Um, so, yeah, very frustrating. Not a good start. Well, half a good start. 50-50 from the return from Asia for the girls so far from Sydney. Um, let's jump over to your counterparts on the other side of the city that did pick up points this week. Um, Western Sydney downing Western United 2-1. Sorry to rub that in there. Uh, oh, sorry. Was it 2-1 or 2-0? Two 2-0. Nil? Two nil. Yeah, 2-0. Um, yeah. um, so, um, yeah, I think I think this is pretty much summing up the fact that we were pretty much head on the nail with saying that people have figured out Western United now. I think we can safely say that we were almost correct on that one. Western Sydney, they even in their losses, I think they've only had one loss where they've looked bad, but they have looked like they could pick up points in most games. 
Um, and I think this might be a turning point for them. I don't know. But all in all, Cody, you're our resident Western Sydney supporter here. Um, <laughs> um, it's, now, it's now a good time to say I'm not a Western Sydney supporter. Oh, okay. Yeah, probably a good time. There you go. <laughs> Western Sydney resident, maybe. That's um the long story in there. But this no, man look. supports Adelaide. Why? <laughs> like I said, long, Absolutely. long story. <laughs> I want to be different. I want to make my parents angry. <laughs> no, but um, you, you're on. The, you've probably hit the nail on the head there. You're talking about a turning point for Western Sydney. This could very well be it. I don't actually know if there's been a game where I've watched Western Sydney this season and been overly disappointed. Maybe aside from the Melbourne City game. Up mm. until they went and almost got themselves back into it from what four one or four two down, yeah. but um no, look, I think a lot of people are worried when they were bringing two fourteen year olds into the side, but I think as time goes on, we're starting to realise those fourteen year olds are in the side just because they're actually genuinely good players and not for any other reason that people might have suggested they don't have the squad depth or anything like that. This is a a half decent side and they're very very good players. I think Talia Eunice, she's shown each and every game. Um, that she plays, she's definitely going to be one to watch for the future. Definitely someone for well, Wanderers fans to get excited about. Alexia Postalakis, another one that I thought had a very good game on the weekend. But yeah, I think this actually could be a turning point for them. It, it did look like a side that needed, just needs one result for them to really go, okay, yep, this is our springboard. Now we're going to really take off. And it probably was the game for them to do it. I said um, during the week that out of the ones that had out of the teams that hadn't won a game yet this season, they were probably the least likely to get a result. Um, I didn't take into account that West United really are struggling this season. So, you know, what good on the Wanderers are doing well. You can't come, if I was a Wanderers fan, next home game they have, I'd be making sure I get back out to them. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they actually do get to play said home game though. I mean, what's <laughs> doing well? Because they're still sitting 10th with only four points. They're, you know, they've lost. I wouldn't three, say one, they're doing one. well yet. Oh, I wouldn't say they're doing well yet, but I do think this is going to be a better season. They're definitely playing better football than what they did last year. Last year, but then again, standards weren't very high last year either, were they? I don't know. I think they played better football last year. Really? Yeah. I think they played oh, better last year. But I haven't been watching much because I've been away. So. No, nah, they're. I, I feel like they're moving the ball around a lot better, a little bit more positive. I think the um, only game they looked overly negative was probably that Melbourne City game. Even the game they lost 3-0 to Wellington, for a lot of the game, they were on the front foot. And I was yeah, actually... It wasn't until the last 10 minutes that they kind of dropped off, yeah. yeah. it wasn't. Wellington got a couple of goals and then Wellington kind of steamrolled them in mm. the way Wellington have been doing this season, to be fair. And that's more of a credit to Wellington than it is a disregard to Wanderers, I guess, in a way. Yeah. Good segue there, Cody, because we are heading to Wellington now. Um, a game that we were keeping our eye on this week as Perth came into town, longest away day of the season, um, coast to coast, quite literally. Um, Wellington picking up the points in this game, 2-1. Um, probably as close as we were expecting it to be. Result could have gone probably either way, but Perth, uh, sorry, Wellington again, making us talk about them. Perth still holding their own. Uh, tough tough journey to go, what, 11 hours across to another country to, <laughs> to try and play a game. So to get... And it was in Auckland as well, so it was just a little bit longer they had to travel. Yeah. Go north as well. Um, but all in all, Wellington, oh, man, I'll, I'll talk, to them, talk for them because I know you guys don't want to, but this team's looking good. Um. Yeah, to knock off Perth, who were sitting pretty at the top of the table. I think they were. That was Perth's first loss of the season two. Yep. yep. Um. So to take points away from them, pretty solid start. It's really. It's going to make this season very interesting. There's a lot of decent performances going on in that top kind of. What are we looking at? Nearly. Let's not call it a top eight, but like you're looking from one through nine is currently sitting. Take out the top three or four, five through nine are sitting pretty close to each other. So we're in a strong middle pack. Yeah, if these teams keep knocking points here and there and dropping points against 
or taking points away from teams. It's going to be a very interesting season now. We've got those extra two final spots. It's going to make it a good little battle for fifth and sixth there to, to make this final series, I think. I think it's the nature of a salary cap league, to be fair. You get the decent spread of um, talent, a decent spread of teams. I don't think the teams at the top of this competition are that far ahead of the teams at the bottom, even looking outside that nine that is starting to pull away. You talk about the bottom three, I'm pretty sure, are still Adelaide, Canberra and Wanderers. Mm-hmm. They're decent sides as well. We just spoke about how Wanderers could be on a springboard to go forward. Adelaide, I think, have a long-term plan to actually turn themselves into a high-quality early women's side. And Canberra was, I said it to you guys at the start of the season, I thought they'd be coming close to the top four. I may not be looking so good right now, but I still wouldn't be surprised if they pull something out of the hat later on in the season. We'll guess I'll talk about them in a little bit, but... Mm-hmm. No, Wellington, I think the best thing about this, about this game as well, this Wellington side, you talk about how good it is that they were able to knock Perth off. They, could, they came from behind to do it as well. Yeah. Not, I guess it is still in New Zealand, but not in Wellington, going to Auckland in front of a new crowd, different stadium, different surroundings for a game that could prove to be pivotal this season. You come out with a result like that, that's fantastic. So yeah. um, absolutely full credit to them. I know they're not, there's not really any Matildas in there to talk about in a sense, but they're the league's better for having a strong Wellington in there too. And there's yeah. a whole lot of Kiwi talent coming through. We didn't see Fraser from the start, but you're talking, you're still talking a lot of quality players in there. Mackenzie Barry stepping up again. Michaela Foster stepping up again. Chloe not getting on the score sheet. It's brilliant stuff. Like you can't, you can't knock it as much as I keep saying, I'm not here to talk about them. They, they are a joy to watch. I can't deny that. Um, and we're going to have to keep talking about them because now that we've mentioned Auckland, obviously another New Zealand franchise being granted a license during the week as well, which looks like we're going to have another team in the league come 25-26. So um, good for an expansion. It's going to be interesting to see if there's enough depth, I think, to fill two New Zealand-based teams and still have them both be competitive as well. Wellington have done a great job building what they've got. Is it going to hinder them to have another team come in in two years or do they hold on to everybody and push forward from there? It's going to be very interesting to watch that happen as well. That's on. There's an interesting part of that. Now, I'm not too familiar with Bill Foley because I don't watch ice hockey, but... A good friend of mine that works at Mid Front Page Football does, and he's aware of Bill Foley's traditional strategy when going into an expansion competition, particularly in a salary cap league. Now, from what I was told, this guy has been the owner of Las Vegas, something or other, for seven years now, and they've made the finals of four of them yeah. and recently won the league. Yeah, well, he, they made the stand up on the first year as well. So, like, he, he knows what he's doing with expansion teams yeah, before. <laughs> this, this guy sounds like he's got his head screwed on when it comes yeah. to running a sports club. And he made sure everyone in the room knew it when he was being announced as the Auckland's owner when he showed off his little ring. That wasn't mm. actually little. That was quite big if we're being literal. But it sounds like the way he's talking about this side, that's, the, that's his intention for this team. He's going to go out. He's going to build a side that is not maybe like Wellington Phoenix where their overarching goal is to provide a pathway for New Zealand talent. This guy is going, going to come in, build a side that's prepared to win the league. So whether it comes in the shape of bringing in some high-quality international marquees, whether it comes in via getting the best talent out of New Zealand, that isn't just young players coming through but genuine New Zealand stars. Maybe someone like a Hannah Wilkinson if she's not getting time at um Melbourne City and it could even come through getting some really good Australian players. So. It may not be like a Wellington where it is purely a New Zealand side. They're probably going to look to get the best of everything and build a side that is up there with the best in the league. I think it's more you could look compare it into when Melbourne City came into the league. Mm. Whether it happens that way or not, I think it's hard to be seen. Obviously, living in Melbourne is a different pool power to living in Auckland. But, and I say that with as much respect as I possibly can, it's not a dig at Auckland. Melbourne is genuinely a nice city, to be fair. Even as a city sider, I'll say that. But there's potential for a real super team to be built there from what I've heard, at least. Mm. Um, Michelle, any thoughts on the expansion? Mm, probably nothing that I'll say in public. Let me ask just to see if you'd do it. <laughs> <laughs> I have thoughts. Don't worry. I do have thoughts. I got a lot of thoughts. 
<laughs> All right, let's jump down to Melbourne now that you've mentioned it, Cody. Victory picking up points against Central Coast. Um, I think this we've definitely seen Melbourne victory get over their little stumble that they had at the start of the year, um, looking very, very strong uh, coming through now. 2-1 to Central Coast, picking up the goals. 90. We're seeing a lot of... Injury time winners this year. Um, games going down to the wire, maybe in that last 10, 15 minutes being decided. Um, I th- most of the goals were actually scored in that period. Faye Bryson picking up the equaliser at 71 and then the winner being scored at 90 plus one. So Melbourne literally just scraping through. Um, looks like they had the, the dominant kind of run of the game as well. Um, more shots, more possession. Uh, just as many passes though. So... All in all, good victory for victory. Um, putting them up in that kind of top four bracket and making them look like genuine contenders this year, which is good to see. We'll finish in the top four, top three with the side that they have. You've got players like Kellen Knight playing regularly again. Kayla Morrison is still up there with the best in the league, who actually is now an Australian citizen. So I know um, Victory Vikings give them a little shout-out. Mm-hmm. I know they've been screaming Aussie Kayla for a long time now. I don't know if it'll actually happen. But I probably wouldn't be opposed to it. Um, and even Korea Kin, I know you mentioned her before. She's not technically an Australian player, but someone who is a good example of the um, MPL pathway, even not in your teenage years, a little bit older. Having that as a platform to actually get into the A-League women's, she was fantastic for Bandura throughout the season. I think she got 30-something goals. Finally got a, um, opened her account in the A-League women's. I think she's going to go on a bit of a run now. She's fantastic player. Give her a bit of confidence. It'll be interesting to see how she goes on from here. Yeah, 100%. Um, perfect. Anything to add here, Michelle? I know you usually jump in when you've got stuff, but... I mean, when it comes to Melbourne Victory, yeah, I, I think, yes, obviously, like, they have had a slow start to the season and... Yeah, they did last season as well. I just think it's a very different team. And I think much like Sydney, it's not a team that I'm going to be expecting like uh, a huge amount from, mostly because it's a it's a new team, you know, and you can't expect much from a new team. Um, yeah. Uh, it's still it's still Melbourne, like, so you, it's still going to be pushing for a top four spot. And obviously they're very um, good at what they do. Um but I think the Mariners of showing the league, like, you know, who they are and what and they, they mean business. So and I think that's really good for the league, um, good for the Mariners. Um, but, yeah, that's all I've really got. I, I think that's a good point, though, is that even when the Mariners have dropped points, they've only dropped them by a goal. Like there haven't been any heavy defeats for a brand new team coming in. They're holding their own and just getting unlucky in the last couple of minutes of games to drop these points, which is really good to see. So hopefully they can continue that on and start building. I'll also say this. I do wonder, I mean, one of the draw cards, right, and I don't know if we've mentioned this before, one of the draw cards was having Kaya Simon in their squad. Mm. But we've not seen her play since she did her ACL at Tottenham last season. We, she got caught up to the World Cup. We didn't see her play there. And now she's been signed for the Mariners and still hasn't played and she's still in rehab. So what is going on? Why is there no communication? Like there's mm. no one knows what's going on around her rehabbing and whether or not she's going to play. It's looking like genuinely, I don't know if she's going to play this season. Or yeah. if she does play, it's going to be at the end of the season. And, like, mm. I know obviously, you know, people want to make signings that are going to get people excited and coming to the games and stuff. But it's, like, it's one thing to, like, sign these players, but it's another thing to actually watch them play. Like, people want to see these yeah. pe- people play. Like, the Jets have signed Emily Van Egmont, which is a great signing for them and for the people of Newcastle because they can actually watch this person play because she's fit and ready to play. Like, what is happening with Kai Simon? What is going on with um, the Mariners in this regard? Like, I don't know. If if I'm a Mariners fan, I'd be like, where is this player? Is this, is she going to play or is she not going to play? Like, did we just waste money signing someone for no reason? 100%. Like, you look at the 
like she did her ACL in October 22. October 22, Leah Williamson and Viv Miedemar did theirs at the like the early kind of start of 23 and Viv's back on the field. Leah's about to be. So either Spurs have done Kaya dirty or you're right and she's just being used as a marquee to kind of get people to come and watch Central Coast, which is very interesting um, when you kind of put it side by side. Like we were talking last week about how this isn't like the ACLs aren't an isolated case and we have a pretty good <laughs> record of other people having that same injury around the same time. So very, very interesting point. Um, Unless like she's been re-injured since doing yeah. her ACL and since doing the rehab because yeah. that's that's not new. Like people get... They, they re-injure themselves during the rehab process. Um, it is but I easy thing to uh, re-aggravate. Yeah, I just, I wonder, like, I don't know if Sydney signed someone like Marta, right? And then uh, I'm putting that out into the universe so that it'll happen. Um, Sydney signed Marta and then, but she's done her ACL and she's just sitting there on the bench. Well, she's not even on the bench. She's just sitting there doing rehab. And I'm like, brother, like, I want to watch her play. Like. Did, is she going to play or is she not going to play? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and we're talking about now a player who hasn't played in over a year. We're in November 2023 now. So mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, where's Kaya Simon? There's my question. Where's Kaya Simon? If anyone's got answers, please leave it in the comments below or you can DM us at Talking Tillies. Um, give, give us the answers. We'll, we'll put it up on the podcast um, and, yeah. We'll um we'll carry that banner forward. Speaking of new teams or teams that have got new players, you mentioned Emily Van Egmond just a second ago. Um, the Jets going away to Canberra and picking up points. EVE scoring again two weeks in a row. New signing Serena Bolden, not Australian, but I said it at the start of the podcast that when Serena didn't have a team, the Jets should sign Serena. Put me in the front office, I tell you. I'm that good. Um, comes in, scores two goals. Lauren Allen picks up the fourth. Uh, Canberra put up a fight. Uh, Michelle Heyman with one. Uh, and Cody, help me out. Um, Fesna Milovojevic. 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 Oh, so close. <laughs> We're getting there. We're learning. Um, so Jets down Canberra 4 3. Um, this Canberra team sitting pretty at the bottom of the ladder. It is probably, it's definitely not where we expected them to be this year. We had them, I think, running second or third on our ladder. Um, yeah, they just can't seem to string things together and they haven't made that many changes either. So, like, it, it's a kind of, I don't know, it's a weird one. They should, something's happened between the end of last year and this year, and it's kind of just really shifted the way they're playing um, and they just can't string things together. But Newcastle someone, wins Someone in Canberra who was probably under the radar when they left because they weren't a real standout kind of player, but their, my opinion of them has changed very, very drastically recently, would be Laura Hughes. They've taken her out of their midfield. Their midfield is looking a little bit young now. And when she signed for Melbourne City, I was sitting there thinking, oh, okay, yeah, she's just a death player. She'll go there. She'll get a few minutes here and there. She'll be all right. She won't be bad. She won't be great. But seeing her on Sunday and how well she actually kind of controls that City midfield took me by surprise. I didn't realize how good she actually was, but she was basically the main reason why City were able to beat Sydney's front press. So maybe there's just a bit of a... Uh, talent gap in midfield, I guess. I look at their midfield, I look at their back line. It is very, very young. And that was an issue I saw with them at the start of the season. I just decided to overlook her personally. But yeah, someone like Laura Hughes, watching her in person on Sunday, it actually took me by surprise a little bit. I was like, oh, wow, this girl can really, really play. And I always knew she was decent, but I didn't realize she was at that level where mm. she basically, she played a key role in Melbourne City's role. We'll talk about how, we'll get to that game soon as well. But um. 100% fan part of the reason why they're able to get a result like that. So, yeah, maybe there is something missing for this Canberra side. Interesting. Um, yeah, 
there you go. Newcastle picking up points. That's all I care about. I'll tell you that much. Um, Evie's got two games left in Australia before she jets back. Um, but Serena getting off the mark, coming in straight away, looking good. And it kind of just sticks it to Western Sydney, to be fair, to letting her go. Not that they're struggling, but if she comes in and scoring goals, imagine where Western Sydney could be right now. Um, last game of the week and a game that's caused a little bit of drama in the official side of the football world with the PFA uh, releasing a statement just a couple of hours ago as we recorded this. Um, Brisbane-Adelaide played on a substandard pitch for one old draw. Um, some of the videos and images coming out of that game do not look great. Um, there is a video floating around on Twitter. Michelle sent it to me. Um, and I, th- I believe the pitch was blue. Uh, and looked like an absolute mud pit. So for a game... Uh, it was also after the men's game, I believe, or was it before the men's game? I can't remember. No, it was after. So they played the men's was, game, then they had so that. the men's game played on it, and this was, I believe, like the day after a Paul McCartney concert or like following the like following a Paul McCartney concert that just happened at Suncorp. And, yeah, field absolutely destroyed. Um, the players... One of the players, I believe, because a friend of mine was at the game, had said that at one point she could not see the studs on her boots because the mud and the – I think it was clay was like all compacted on the bottom of the of the boot. So, it, yeah, I mean, it looked dang- – like it's, it's pretty dangerous to play on something like that because like you get stuck in there, you try to move forward at high speed and then see you later, knee, ankle, leg, yeah. you know, so. ACL. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> groin injuries, anything like it's uh, pretty, pretty poor. And considering that we just had a World Cup played on that ground, um, and we had all this money and invested into the game, and here we are. Yeah, but it's not it's not NRL season, Michelle. So they don't need to look after it. You know, um, <laughs> sorry, Queensland government. I didn't mean it. I did. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Brisbane Adelaide. Well, are we allowed play- to trash the um, Queensland government? Because I, I have a few things that I could say. Oh, about yeah, them. go on. Like, why, yeah, why not? Like, Let's pull punches. You talk, you talk about we just had a World Cup here, to be fair. They get, there was definitely increasing money that they said, yeah, we're going to invest in women's sports. We're going to invest in women's sports. How much of that actually goes to football? How much of that actually goes to, you know what? We want to increase the football product in this state. Nothing. It queens up anything except for football. Anastasia Palajek will go to any game that she can in her scarves, in whatever she wants to do. And then it'll go, yeah, we'll get all this money from the football and we'll invest it into redoing the Gabba for the Olympics and afterwards for the AFL. Where's the legacy in that? That. Michelle, you were there. I think you you were there for three weeks in Brisbane. You got to see, you got pretty familiar with Suncorp. That field was pristine the entire time. One thing that I would have loved to have seen out of this World Cup would have been the groundsmen in this country to actually maybe learn a thing or two on how to do their job. And to be fair, you look at Brisbane when the Magic Ground comes around. That field's always in pristine condition. But I don't know when the Paul McCartney was. I don't know what the turnaround for that concert was. But there was eight days, I think, for the Sydney Derby, and as much as that field wasn't perfect, it was a hell of a lot better than what it was in Brisbane. So it's it's a it's a continual thing with the Queensland government. They're not great towards football, and the sooner that you can get a proper football stadium there, the better. I saw someone on Twitter actually write saying the only way you're going to stick it to the Queensland government is almost flat out refuse to give them anything in regards to football. They don't give them any more Socceroos games. Don't give them any more Matildas games mm. until they can show that they're happy to take football seriously. In all honesty, and I feel for the people of Queensland, I'd kind of back it. Mm. I mean, like, I think the biggest one that they could have put their hand up was probably Feb 28th. <laughs> and if that's the way things are going, I definitely don't want the Matildas playing there. For yeah. Imagine that the thing. Matildas that's- playing on a field like that. People exactly. lose their shit. I, I think that shit. That would be the nail in the coffin for Queensland getting that game at least. I think they were the only other stadium that could potentially host that outside of Sydney. So I think that kind of puts oh, the nail in the I guess they're going to have to put it in Sydney. Oh, no. Oh, no. How dare we? <laughs> All right. Let's, let's pack our bags and head over to where I currently am um, with some big uh, 
games this week in the WSL. Bristol City men United had no Aussies playing in United pick up the win. Uh, Chelsea dominating Leicester. Um, or not dominating, actually. Sorry. The first half should have been a draw had it not been for a Courtney Nevin own goal, um, which could have probably... <laughs> Michelle hangs her head in sadness. <laughs> um, but it was pretty much looking at the stats last night at halftime, it was a 50-50 split in this game. Um, Chelsea couldn't get on top of Leicester, which is something they've done consistently. And if you take out their own goal, it was 2-2 two t- two at halftime and Leicester probably come out in that second half with a different mindset. Said they go in the break at um, 3-2 and then... Chelsea come back out and put another two goals on to win 5-2. Um, Chelsea finding their form and just starting to kind of run with things as we pretty much expected. Sam Kerr, that's one. Um, that's four this week. We'll come to Champions League after we talk about this game right here. Um, but four goals in a week for Sam Kerr. It's good to see her kind of firing on all cylinders again, which is really good. Um on the other side of the ball, um, obviously Nevin with a pretty big mistake, um, literally being named as the own goal there. Um, I don't know if Simpson got on again. I think she's still just in minutes the squad. She came on. There we go. She's getting minutes, which is good considering she just got called up to the squad. Um, happy days for Chelsea, not so much for Leicester, but how are we seeing things for the blue uh from your side of the world, guys. I kind of feel for Nevin, if I'm being honest. There's, it's, it's a strange one with her because there's games where she can, she can come into it and be a really, really key player for Leicester, and then there's other games where she just drops a stinker. I even think back to the Arsenal game where she kind of got run ragged in that game, especially in the second half. I think Foot Mob even gave her like a 4.1 or even in, a, in the threes that day. And look, I'm not here to base everything on stats, but... You could tell watching that game that she just wasn't up for it that day. But that's not I don't think I still don't think that's a testament to who she is as a player. I think she is still at least a WSL quality left back. And there's other games that she shows it, but it's almost like she comes in these big games. I don't know if she's getting overawed by the occasion. I know Michelle even you pointed out earlier in this show it would have been maybe a couple a few weeks back where you even said she does have some defensive de- um deficiencies. Kind of, yes. I think we're starting to see that a little bit, particularly when it does get to those bigger games. But you know, I've, I do feel for her in a way, especially getting an own goal this morning. It, it's, it's rough on her, but I guess it's football in a way. I think a lot of it now is is the mental aspect of it. Like, you know, she... Like, to be fair, like a lot of players are going up against Sam Kerr and aren't, you know, going to put on the best performance against Sam Kerr because it's Sam Kerr, right? Or, mm. you know, and, and you're going up against a team like Chelsea, like you have to be at your very best and, you know, it's not easy for everyone to go up against a team like that. Um, and I think now, you know, yeah, she got run ragged by, by Arsenal and now again by Chelsea. Like I think a lot of it is coming down to like the mental aspect, like, yeah. You know, she can say on the outside, nah, it's fine. Like, I'll get over it. I'll move on, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, you you, you might not, you, you can say it, but it might not happen for you. And you might just be making mistakes and getting frustrated and frustrated. So, yeah, I guess now, now moving forward, it's about, okay, what does Leicester do to to improve their side? Is this a case of do we you know, drop her, put someone else in, or, you know, do we help, do we, you know, do some more training and, and, you know, what, what do we do? Because obviously for our perspective, we're looking at Courtney Nevin because she's Aussie. Right. But it's like, you know, there's still a whole bunch of other players out there on the field that, you know, not scoring. Um, she's not the only defender there, you know? And so, yeah, like, I don't know, I guess, it's it'll be interesting to see how she she comes up and obviously now she's going into international break and um we'll probably get a rest because I imagine Steph will probably be playing in that position um over Courtney. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see. 
Mm. Might be good being in camp with someone like Hatley as well, someone who's in a position at the top of football in her position, someone that she can kind of have a bit of reset on, you know, sit back, kind of be there under her guidance a little bit. It'd be nice to see if Catley even pulls her aside and, you know, you talk about that mental aspect, tries to make sure she's all right. But I think yeah. we're getting a little bit into detail here. But I think, yeah, I think being in camp should maybe do her a little bit of good. Besides the travel, of course, the travel will be a killer. Um, good news story of the week, guys. It's it's good news. Oh, no, sorry. Let's touch on Champions League real quick. Um, Chelsea, they played Paris FC this week, didn't they? And absolutely destroyed them. Sam Kerr picking up a hat-trick in Champions League. She gets the match ball um, 4-1 over a team that we've been watching dominate the French division. Um, Cody, I saw you made a TikTok about Sam's prospects of a Ballon d'Or after (laughs) this week. It kind of goes both ways. Obviously, we've been talking about Paris dominating Div 1, in France, they come up against European competition and drop the ball against probably one of the strongest teams outside of Barcelona in the Champions League this year. Um, how much does this say about Paris? How much does it say about Chelsea? I don't think Sarah Hunter got a run in the game. Um I will double-check that while you talk, Cody, about Chelsea. I real don't quick. believe she did, but... I'll start with Paris because as much as they have been doing well in France, they do tend to drop the ball against big sides, even in their own country against Lyon. I think it was 6-0 they lost at home as well. Yeah. So there's, I think there is a case of the fact that outside of PSG, Paris and Lyon in France, the competition there just generally isn't that great. They're suddenly getting to these bigger sides. And look, it's not a knock on Paris FC as well because one thing you've got to remember they did knock Arsenal out of the Champions League themselves. So there is quality there, but they are coming to those real world-class sides at the pinnacle of football. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's a thing of we're going to, they're trying to play a certain way, not kind of sit back and try and hold them off and hit them on the counter. Maybe they are trying to actually push forward and take games to them. And it's just not working at this stage. It's hard to say. Look, I'm not the most adept when it comes to the real intricacies of football and the tactics side of things. I am what basically talking from a fan's perspective sometimes, but Chelsea, I think they're showing that they are generally one of the best teams in the world. I don't, can't remember where exactly they came to the Champions League last season. I think it was the season before they got knocked out in the group stage. But, you know, they keep this form up. There's no... Okay, there is one big reason why they wouldn't win the treble, but I think that's more the fact that Barcelona still exists and Bon Marcy still exists. So they, whenever they come up against them, if they can, if they can come over that hill, who's going to stop them? Who's going to stop them? Yeah getting a league and Champions League double. The Cup's a different story in England. Trying to balance two cup competitions in the league while you're playing Champions League is a challenge in itself. But if they can win the league and the Champions League and Sam Kerr is playing a central part in both of those, that's the main reason why I said she should be a Ballon d'Or contender because she's coming. Se- she came second last year just having a half-decent season and playing yeah. in a World Cup semi-final. She didn't really do much for the Matildas up until that point. If she's fit for the Olympics as well, it can play a part in the Matilda squad then. Right. Who's going to stop her? I understand he's still got the Spanish girls, but you know, they can't stay at the pinnacle of football forever. I think Sam Kerr is really going to have, at the very least, something to say come, I think it would be October next year. So yeah, yeah. look out. Yeah. Um, interesting fact as well. She picked up the captain's armband with Millie Bright being out injured as well. So she's also leading that team um, through the charge, which is good. Um Good news story of the week. Is everyone ready? Cody is going to be super scared. happy. No, no, no. Cody, you're going to be super happy because <laughs> Tegan Micah started oh. her first year for Liverpool um, and picked up a clean sheet as Liverpool uh, won 4-0 over Brighton. Um, good on one side of the ball for an Aussie and goal. Not so good on the other side of the ball um, for Charlie Rule. Uh, Mackenzie Hawksby not in the squad this week. Um, but Tegan in goal, love to see it. We've been calling for it all year. We kind of 100%. expected it. Cody expected it at the start of the season. I, look, um, it was hard to bring her in any earlier than now because Laws just had a genuinely great start to the season. But... It's what, that's what happens in England, um, in Europe, really. Things are cutthroat. You get an opportunity, you've got to make sure you take it 
almost immediately and Micah's done that and now she's starting for not necessarily a top club in England but definitely a high profile club in terms of world football. <laughs> I say this as a Liverpool fan so there is a reason why I am quite happy about this but no, it's fantastic. You've got an Aussie starting for my favourite club. I'm, I'm overjoyed 100% and good timing too going back into Matilda's camp obviously this being an Olympic year we're going to have possibly two two keepers playing regularly in the same league at clubs that are roughly at the same level. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, probably a good time to note as well that the next camp is going to be without Mackenzie Arnold, so it's a good time for Tegan to kind of step up for the Matildas squad um, going to Canada. Um, let's quickly touch on the changes to the Matilda squad before we jump back into the rest because it kind of is all going to feed into here. Um, Mackenzie Arnold's picked up a knock in training for West Ham um, during the week, so she is not travelling to Canada. She's withdrawn from the squad, is going to stay in rehab with West Ham. Um, another thing that Cody is going to be excited about, Jada Wyman taking the spot, um, something you've been calling for left, right, and centre. I don't know I'll if tell you what, she was fantastic up. on the weekend too, so... Perfect time to have her come back into the side, really. 100%. Um, Who else? We had um, Charlie Grant and Matilda McNamara withdraw from the squad as well. Matilda, obviously, um, with the ACL injury, uh, which is just... Holly, sorry. Thank you. You could have jumped in two minutes ago. I was so confused for a sec. Thank you. Sorry, Holly, Matilda, my bad. Um, Holly for the Matildas. That's where I got stuck. Um, So Holly doing her ACL. Um, Charlie Grant, do we know, is that just game time or is there an injury related there? Not too sure. Um, I think the press release said it was a hamstring injury. Anywho, Alex Chidiak returns to her spot. Um, and Michelle's favourite, Remy, gets a call-up as well. So kind of win-win, loss-loss. I feel like the replacements coming in don't change anything with this squad at all. Um, It's kind of almost like-for-like and feels very piece-in, piece-out without much um, jiggling to do in terms of who's coming in and replacing these players in this squad, which is something good. It means that outside of the 23, we've got depth out there as well to kind of pick and choose to make it look good. Probably just means um, Charlie Rule feels this side more as a right back with Grant not being in the side and then bringing Chidiak in. So it's unfortunate for her. She probably would have loved to play the Matildas in her more natural position, but you you make your breakthrough as a right back, kind of pigeonholed there for the rest of your career, unfortunately. So... Sucks for real, but I guess if you're putting on a Matilda shirt, she's not going to complain. I wouldn't complain too much. If the Matildas, ask, well, Matildas aren't going to ask me to play a right back for them, but in a hypothetical world, with soccer is my better example. If soccer is asking me to play a right back, I'd do it for them. I'd suck it up. So, you know, good on her. Hopefully, she gets a debut this time as well. I'd love to actually see her in a Matildas jersey on the field. And it's not really probably a best chance to do it as well. But 10 months out from the Olympics, is it? She wants to keep yep. herself in the frame for that. It's, um, it's friendly, low risk game. Let's get her in, get her in, get her involved. Hundred percent. All right, jumping back to Ingolande, um, a game that I was at that I was thoroughly impressed with for the first half. Um, the second half was kind of a bit dull, but Arsenal beating West Ham three nil. Um, now, Michelle, I'm kind of on board with the Arsenal bandwagon now after watching them play in person, it is terrifying how good that squad is. Um, And they've still got one major piece to come back from injury. Um, This team is so strong, um, both down the left and the right, through the middle, up front. Um, I think there's just a bit of polishing to do here and then Chelsea might have a, something to worry about <laughs> coming through the league. Um, but Arsenal picking up dominant first half. The second half, they kind of dropped off a little bit. But um, Steph, Caitlin, I think Kyra was named 
player of the match as well again. Um, no, she wasn't. It went to someone else, but Kyra had a brilliant game. I think she had one of the highest ratings um, out of the squad. But all in all, you've got to feel pretty good for this team right now, Michelle. Um, dub yeah, after great. dub and goal after goal. <laughs> Can't complain. Kenny Cross, I think, had two assists in the game as well. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. But I think this team... Is looking very good. I think um, I am not going to get my hopes up because I have seen this team look very good and then crash and burn right at the end when it, ma- when it matters. So, yeah, happy with how it's going now. Is it almost a blessing though that you're not in Europe and that you can just focus on domestic leagues at the moment? Like as much as no, it would be because we lost. Yeah, because but like- still lost. Twice, too. <laughs> like, <laughs> at the moment, I don't like football. I don't like this sport. No. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. Um, I give it so much, and what does it give me? Nothing. Depression. Heartbreak <laughs> and pain. Oh, we are just Terrible. here for the fun. Um, Cody, anything to add on the Gunners? Um, obviously, Macca didn't play in goal for West Ham this week, um, but anything to add here? Am I allowed to say Kyra Cooney Cross should be, get Ballon d'Or as well? Like, are we allowed to give I mean, it to two people? Let's not put that on. Go away. Yet. Get on Twitter and say that. Everyone says the same stuff over and over again. Go away. I don't want to hear it. Oh, I'm more meant it as a piss take. I didn't realize people were being serious about that. I wouldn't be surprised. Give it two seconds and some <laughs> Aussie journal will start being like, oh, Kyra Cooney Cross is the best player I've ever seen in my entire life. Can I do that? Actually, can I just pull like a tweet out saying, can we talk about Kyra Cooney Cross winning Ballon d'Or and see if anyone actually tries to pick it up? Which the meltdown. It's like a social experiment. That's too fair, the way she's playing. You know what? Do it because I'm sure someone will, will retweet it and then it'll go nuts. All the Arsenal Look, fans will get on board. Ian Wright. I'm not going to say it now. I'm not going to say it now, but the way she's playing at 20, 20, 20 or 21, I can't actually think of her age off the top of my head. This is not good of me. But... If she's able to do this now, God knows where she's going to be in five, ten years' time, and maybe she's in the conversations. And obviously, it's too early to say now. But the fact that she's playing at this level so quickly, going to a club like Arsenal, it's a scary thought to where she could be in the future. I mean, props to Arsenal for seeing the potential as well and going out and spending the money. They could have waited another two yeah, imagine months. If they, imagine if they decided to wait, and suddenly you got yeah. a battle trying to bring her in, like. No, they've probably done the smart move. They've shown, and I guess that's why I was never worried that she wasn't playing at the start of the at the start of the season because they've physically gone out and paid good money for a player that if they just waited a few months later for was going to be free. So 100%. they clearly were desperate to have her. Obviously, it took a bit of time for her to assimilate and get into the squad, but the fact that she's there now and playing the way she is, there's a reason why Arsenal did it, and I'm sure Arsenal fans are thankful that they did. I think we can probably agree though that she's definitely assimilated to the squad a lot quicker than we probably expected her to with the looks yeah, I would of thought maybe that squad as well. Like yeah. But no, I understand. She's playing crazy. So yeah, let's um let's start the Kurokuni Cross Ballandor train. There you go. You're hearing it here first. If it, <laughs> this time next year, folks, come back Please to this don't podcast. Take me seriously. Um all right, let's let's keep going. Everton go away to Villa. Villa are on a struggle straight. I know we've got no Aussies there, but damn. Like, for a team that has players like they do, it is hard to watch. Um, Claire Wheeler didn't get a run this week. Oh, no, she did. There you go. Full 90. Started. In midfield? Yes, sir. Back in a natural position. Happy days. That's what we love to see. Um, So starting and playing a full 90, as evident, get up. 2-1 2-1 um, with an own goal and a penalty. Um, Rage Daly popping it in the net for Villa. Uh, and last game of the week was last night. I don't think oh, we might have had an Aussie play in it, but I doubt it. Oh, no, we did, of course. <laughs> We've got two over there. Me just not wanting to talk about City as a United fan, especially after what they did to Tottenham last night. 7-0. Um 
I didn't I listened to most of this and it sounded like a very attacking game so I don't know if AK got up to much I know Mary came on for like five ten minutes at the end of the game but looks like it was probably a very quiet defensive night for City as they kind of spent most of the game up the other end Bunny Shaw had a hat trick within 35 minutes um I know Michelle had some choice words about Jill Rod, but she's got on the score sheet for a second week in a row. Um, Laura Coombs picking up two and Lauren Hemp picking up one. I do like Jill Rod. Don't get me wrong. I do like her. I just don't like that she went to City instead of coming back to Arsenal. She's just ah. a snake. Hatred. <laughs> That's what we love. But some good news coming out of Tottenham during the week. I was there and didn't realise it, so I'm – Sorry, um, Millie Borton making her debut for Spurs in the Conti Cup against Bristol um, during the week as Tottenham did down Bristol 3-0. So another Aussie potentially soon to come to the WSL. Um, really good to see Millie's currently named in the young Matilda squad, um, 17 years old, making her debut. Um, another one kind of like Tegan playing for one of those high-profile um, not one of the best teams in England at the moment in terms of the women game, but a high-profile club um, that hopefully she can break with the way Tottenham are playing. I wouldn't be surprised to see her breaking into that squad pretty soon, which is good to see. Um, so I think that wraps everything up. Let's jump over to Espanyol. Um, Hayley Razzo gets on the score sheet this week, folks, as... Real Madrid down um, hell of a 5-2. So good stuff coming out of Haley. Obviously, um, during the week as well, uh, Linda Caicedo went down with, I think, an ACL again. Uh, so she's out for the rest of the season. So that's going to open up um, a big opportunity for Haley for game time, which is good. And she's not competing against probably one of the brightest upcoming stars in the game. <laughs> For minutes at the moment, as much as it sucks for Linda, it's good for us to be able to see Haley dominate over in Spain, um, which is good. Uh, and wrapping things up in France, uh, PSG played Montpellier and won 4 1. Paris FC, I don't have the lineups in front of me at the moment. Give me two seconds. Um, here, uh, Paris FC drew one all without Sarah Hunter in the squad. I do know that. Did Claire Hunt get a run again? Yes. It looks like she's solidified her spot at the centre back for PSG, which is another one of those that we kind of expected to take some times, but it looks like she's jumped straight in there, which is really good. Um, means our back line for the Matildas coming up is looking really good, and I think deservedly so for... Claire, after the World Cup she had and the way she played, um, to jump to one of the biggest clubs in the world and go, hey, this is my spot. Um, <laughs> really good to see. Uh, and then last but not least, uh, Leon won against Wingamp. Don't think I said the right again, but they won 5-1. I'll get it right one day, maybe next season. Um Um, but that is all in terms of results this week guys Um, obviously we're getting one week closer to Matilda's camp Um, actually it's next week so we are right there Um, what are we expecting out of our Matilda's next week um, during these games are we how do we feel this squad's going to shape up against Canada? Obviously, Canada are having a shake-up themselves with um, a lot of their... They've had some big names uh, retire from international football. Um, what are we expecting out of this kind of friendly season coming up? Are we expecting Tony to come out with a squad that we know or are we looking at changes and seeing new faces play? Um, if Tony's going to stick to classic Tony fashion, I think we'll be seeing most of the same faces that we're used to. No, honestly, I remember the last friendly series that we had against Canada, and it was probably some of the most woeful football I've ever seen the Matildas play, and it was almost a straw that broke the camel's back in terms of me wanting Tony gone. How we've turned things around since then has been nothing short of fantastic, so 
my opinions from then to now are vastly different. But um, no, look, I'd like to see a little bit of a mix-up. It is a strong side that we're playing against in Canada, so I don't want us to sit there and go, yep, let's just rotate the side completely. I feel like that would be a little bit counterintuitive considering we are preparing for an Olympics. As much as these games are friendlies, I would like to see us take this with a level of seriousness. But some fresh ideas, well, no, not fresh ideas, fresh players, some fresh faces sprinkled in there, thereabouts. I don't want to completely overhaul starting 11, but um, I would like to see you know, Mike get a run, Wyman get a run, Rule get a run, even if the um, first two of the keepers are just coming in as late subs for um, Lydia Williams. Actually, considering Arnold's not there, the keeper spot yeah. probably is up for grabs. Micah could very well be coming in as the starting keeper for these two games. I would like to see Wyman finally make her debut. I think that's for someone that's been in and out of Matilda squad for a while now and just kind of sitting on the bench. It would be deserved for her. And rule as well, give her, even if it's in the second game, give her a debut at BC Palace or what BC Place, whatever the stadium's called. Let her have a bit of fun. But um, no, look, I think a level of seriousness, but a bit of rotation sprinkled in as well. I don't really know. To be honest, like it's, I I thought this squad was going to be filled with kids, and it was going to be like a young squad. Let everyone else rest, right? But obviously, that's not what's come through. We've seen that we're pretty much bringing the the senior team, the full senior team, to the table, and which is fine. Um, but yeah, I think we need to remember these are friendlies. Um, I know people hate that they're called friendlies and like coaches hate that they're, they're friendlies and, you know, they shouldn't be treated as such. It's still a competitive fixture. We still want to be competitive. Um, Lord knows that Canada is going to come out firing, especially after the last game. Um, and I believe it'll probably be like Christine Sinclair's like big farewell um, sort of tour. I don't know if she's been called up or not, but I'm sure they'll be doing something for her. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. I, the last sort of few things, like games, I guess, I've just been disappointed in like the lack of substitutions, the lack of like um, trust in the players. Um, you know, especially during the World Cup, I was really frustrated with that, but there's not much that we can do about that. Um, but yeah, I, I guess it'll be interesting to see who he decides to to let run. Um, I, I agree. I think Charlie Rule would be good to to let her have a run. I don't think we'll see Jada play mostly because she's been in and out of the in and out of the camps, but like as a trainee sort of thing. Like she's still so young. Like she's not had that sort of experience in playing in a game, and especially against a team like Canada. I think would be just, you know, feeding her to the sharks at that point because that's Canada is a team that is still like top 10 in the world. They're one of the best teams um, and they have been for a very, very long time. You know, yeah. the last time we played them in a friendly, we lost both games to them, you know. So um, I, I think, and that wasn't long ago. That was like two years ago. So it wasn't very yeah. long ago that, that that we had lost to them two games in a row. Um so I don't think Jada will play, um, but I think it'll be really good for her to get the experience um, again of being in the national team camp, especially being overseas as well and sort of getting that experience. Um, but I think Charlie could definitely push to be, you know, getting a run, uh, you know, in the second game or first game, whatever. But um, yeah, I, I personally would love to see Remy get a run, you know, I don't think she will, but I'd love to see Remy play. Yeah. Um, can confirm that Christine Sinclair has been called up for this game. So that will be her yeah. farewell. Um, so, um, yeah, hopefully I, 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 feel, I feel like Tony's maybe taken the full senior team to kind of play that first game as a, let's not let Canada get one back on us for what we did to them in the world cup and play full out maybe that first game and then maybe get that rotation in the second, um, which is maybe where we'll see two keepers like we did um, in the in the last lot of internationals. Maybe to, um, Lydia and Jada go half-half or something like that, um, which would be good. But 
fingers crossed, there's a lot of hope on the horizon. Um, let's look forward to the week ahead. I don't think we have anything domestically this week, do we? Um, I think oh, the women national break, so there's nothing going yes, on. Yes, yes. So we've got nothing going on. Happy days. So that pretty much wraps us up, guys. Look at us. We we know what we're there doing. There we go. Um, <laughs> we will all be back in the same country next week as we talk about all the international action uh, from the week just gone. So you know what to do. If you don't follow us already, check us out on uh, Instagram, threads, and TikTok. Um, and if you're listening to this on Spotify or wherever else this podcast has ended up, make sure you're hitting that follow button. It helps us reach as many people as possible so we can spread the word about the Matildas as much as we can. I have been Josh. We've got Michelle and Cody here for another week, and this has been the Talk Until This podcast. See you later. <laughs> <laughs>